You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. We are joined today uh, for the first time in a while by a Nationals politician. Actually, it's pretty much only the Nats that, that talk to us nowadays. The last one was McCormack. Probably before that, it was Dave Little Proud. Dave Little Proud at, at the at, races. Our local member mm, out at the races, but. I don't think he meant to talk to us. He was just there, and so are we, and we had a camera on him. But today we are joined by the Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillaro. How are you, mate? I'm effing good. Effing good? <laughs> effing <laughs> good. Uh, well, it is a Batuta Advocate podcast. It's not question time, so feel free to let the F-bombs fly today. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah. I, I had to apologise in the house today, and a couple of my colleagues called me a soft cock at the end of it. So really? there you really? go. Yeah, they said you shouldn't have apologised, but... Yeah, I've things got, are heating up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're a t- I'm a team player, mate. I took it for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you also uh, referred to the leader of the opposition as a racist, which was <laughs> an exciting comment. I guess they recoiled a little bit. What was your uh, thinking behind that comment? What was your uh, basis? Oh, well, you know, during the election campaign, didn't he shoot himself in the foot with that uh, Asians with PhDs comment? So uh, yeah. in line with Luke Foley before that, that mentioned white flight, yeah. I think it runs in the DNA. But when you really look at it, and I'm, I'm a bit surprised now, and I'm, I probably shouldn't have called them a racist. If you look at what's happening at ICAC, yeah. they, seem, they seem to be very close to the Chinese, yeah. especially their, their cash. It's a, yeah, it's a double, <laughs> double-sided sword there. Now, uh, we will talk a little bit about your background um, prior to politics and, 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 you know, where you grew up because, and this is no fault of yours or the media's, I guess, like tends to be the case nowadays that most Australians are switched out of state politics. There's a detachment uh, mainly because of, as you just mentioned, three decades of cabinet ministers being dragged in front of ICAC. <laughs> People have kind of lost faith. So what's your story, mate? Where are you Queanbeyan born? Yep, born and bred Queanbeyan. Um, you know, I grew up, played hard, uh, lived hard, mm-hmm. uh, got into a bit of mischief, got kicked out of Queanbeyan High School, ended up at St. Eddie's for the final two years of my life because my parents thought uh, St. Eddie's a good Catholic upbringing, a good school across the border would fix it. But, you know, I think I smoked more weed, got up to more mischief in, at Eddie's than I did in Queanbeyan. But You did inhale. <laughs> oh, we know what's <laughs> happening. Well, it's all legal there now. Well, so, yeah. uh, we were just ahead of our time. I think, uh, <laughs> I think those cops down there in Queanbeyan now are going to be having quite a bit more on. Oh, I think so. I, know, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot more. Yeah. yeah, I think we all just got to get fake licenses and say we're all that we've all come from the ACT, <laughs> even though you might get caught in Queensland. But, but I tell you something. In the day at St. Eddie's, Year Eleven and Twelve student, you could actually smoke at school. Yeah. And I remember the only reason they banned it, it wasn't because smoking was bad for your health. The the, the couch in the the uh, common room, which was a vinyl a black vinyl couch, we lit. You got lit up. Yeah, I nearly yeah. said we lit it up, but I wasn't involved. Yeah. But uh, uh, look, yeah, look, I'm born and bred, uh, ended up going to uni, dropped out of uni to want to be an accountant. I went off to join my old man in the joinery shop, did a trade. Mm-hmm. And over time, I just uh, loved what I did as a tradie and built the business up and uh, built a decent business for in, in the region. So I've always worked for myself, never taken a pay pack from anyone. Mm-hmm. I've done it all for myself, except when I got elected in 2011. Yeah. And I said to someone, the only reason I threw my hand, a hand up to run and get some of my money back was some of those taxes that I paid over yeah, time. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm a straight shooter. love what I do and uh, I'm going to keep fighting. Now, you um, Italian family there in Queanbeyan. Yep. And you're not just a kind of Albanese, Bernardi <laughs> Italian. You've, you're actually an anglicised name. Giovanni. Giovanni, that's yeah. it. I'm the real McCoy, mate. Giovanni Domenico Barilaro, if you want to say it the wrong way. Yeah, look, my parents... Moved to Australia in '65 um, and straight to Queenman, and they've always called Queenman home. But 
Dad's one of ten, mum one of six. We've only got about three uncles and aunties here, and mm-hmm. a lot of them still overseas. And and, we, and when we say Italian, mate, we're we're real Italians. Yeah. We're not the uh, blue eye blondes from the north. We're yeah. the Calabresi, mate. Yeah. You know, mafia, country, yeah. Yeah. mafia country. So uh, <laughs> that's all good. Now, tell us a little bit about being uh, the first Italian leader of the National Party in New South Wales. Are you the only Italian or, I guess, in the uh, coalition government for New South Wales, it is it is a bit ethnic, actually, you, <laughs> between you and Gladys. But yeah. in the Nats, would you be the first kind of uh, Italian bushy? Yeah, I, I, look, we, we had Adrian Piccoli. Remember that? He was yeah. the member for, for Murray. But like I said, he's northern Italian. He's almost Austrian. Yeah, yeah. We don't really count him in. Uh, unless you've got dark hair like I do, you're not Italian. But, yeah, look... it. I never thought that someone with my surname, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not blonde hair and blue eyes, uh, would be the leader of the New South Wales Nationals. I've, but I've got a whole heap of mates uh, from all all backgrounds, especially Italians and Greeks and Macedonians, and they they just they always thought the Nats were a racist party just yeah, for, yeah. for whites, you know. Yeah. And um, I think we I broke that mold. But uh, look, I love what I do, and uh, it, it's it's a it's a party that. I think just shows you if you work hard, and um, we represent everybody everywhere. We're not we're not driven by ideology. It's geography, mate. It's where we come from. Well, once they let the Catholics in, it was kind of anyone's, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mate. I tell you what. Over the last few weeks, uh, some of us wish the Catholics weren't up in Parliament with the whole abortion debate. So uh, who knows, mate? Because uh, that's been one hell of a ride. Let, let, let me put it that way. For hopefully, now for the people in New South Wales, you'll be able to get back to the job of governing the country, <laughs> mate. I want to get back to killing frogs, mate. Building dams. Yep, yep. You know, that's well. The, and when I say killing frogs, I don't mean the Frenchmen. So I just want to make it absolutely clear. I don't want to upset anybody. Uh, unless it's in the uh, World Cup quarterfinal. I guess, well, um, don't forget I'm Italian and I hate Zidane, especially what happened in that World Cup with the yeah. headbutt with Materazzi. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you haven't let your love of dams uh, be shy, John. Um, where would you build them? I mean, there's a lot of dams in New South Wales. There's a lot of rivers. Yep. Where would you build them? Wherever I can kill the most frogs. Yeah. No, um, no, no. Look, we, we've got a plan. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. It's, we've got a plan, and, and um, <laughs> we don't care what else. <laughs> what else you want to kill? Uh, right, right. Well, I always, I always joke because I came out and yeah. said, you know, yeah. I, look, if, if, if a few frogs have to die, mm-hmm. so yeah. be it. But then I thought to myself, but if you build dams, isn't that more water and more opportunities for frogs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, probably that line was wrong. But uh, <laughs> look, there are a number of dams we can build. One in Dungow, a Dungowan Dam uh, up at Tamworth. We know yeah. they can they can get out of the ground quickly. Moles River Dam up on the Queensland, New South Wales border. You raise uh, the dam wall at Wyangla, 650 yeah. gigs is equivalent to another dam. And the other thing we should be doing is stuff underground, like underground dams, you know, yeah. recharging aquifers. We've got a plan. We're, we're ready to go. We've pitched it to the feds and good to see their response in the media. They didn't tell us about it, but they announced it to the media. They're happy to back a few of our dams and, and that's good. But, you know, the thing we've still got to get through is the red tape and green tape. Yeah. Uh, let me be absolutely honest. Everyone says, but John, you're the deputy premier. You're in charge. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, the bureaucrats in charge and I'll do everything they want to do to stop something like dam building. So that's a challenge for us. But we'll get on with it and do we you, can do it. Do you think, you know, regardless of rain, this this kind of job you've got, uh, do you reckon New South Wales is drought proof? Top to bottom? No way. No? no? No way in the world. And um, we're not drought proof. We're, we're, we're resilient in the bush. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. We're resilient. And we'll, we'll take dry spells. We've always done it. And, and it'll always rain. But this this particular run is hard. Yeah. You know, for some areas, two, three, four years in drought, no water, no water at all. We're in sinking bores in places like Tenerfield and we can't even find water. So this, this is harder than ever before. And this is the reminder and that maybe after the millennium drought, we didn't actually think about what we could do long term. So here we are, another drought. But if we miss this opportunity, that's why I'm, I'm bloody 
really, really putting my balls on the line here and saying, you know, truncate process, get rid of environmental impact studies. In some cases, stop even engaging with the community. We know we've got to build these dams. Let's just get on with it. And, and that's the truth, mate. And that's what we've got to do. So tell us a little bit about the kind of divide between the Nats and the uh, on a state and federal level, because this has been something we've seen since Chenois. Barnaby claimed that he didn't want it. Uh, the state wanted it. It just feels like there's another layer outside of the tape. You're just talking about. It feels like there's another, you know, ceiling above you lot uh, on a state level. Ah, uh, look. L- let me put it this way: uh, when when you're facing an election and everyone's desperate to win their seats, I tell you what: the states will blame the feds, the feds will blame the state, the mm-hmm. Nats will blame each other, uh, and do whatever you can to survive. And I think there's been a little bit of that. The reality is the Nats are best when we're actually united. Um, and, and truthfully, you know, you're not going to get a better retail politician than Barnaby. Mm-hmm. He did that for a long time really, really well. And we actually looked to Barnaby to, to lead the, the charge. Mm-hmm. That's probably been detrimental a bit to the Nats brand because uh, a lot of us, uh, and we got accused during the election campaign, and I, I was mm-hmm. probably just as guilty, the Nats logos were either in, you know, four-point fonts yeah. or uh, non-existent. I think the member uh, for for Bathurst Tully, mm. mate, you couldn't tell he was a Nats because I think he even changed the colours. So the truth <laughs> is, it's over time, the Nats brand is probably diminished and it's the individual. You know, mm-hmm. someone with the charisma or character of like Barnaby takes over. And um, yep. So I think there's never been a time like now where I feel that for the Nationals, we just feel like a collection of independents, yep. you know, have yeah. come together under a brand but we don't push the brand. Did you have to make that... Was that a concerted effort? Because there was something a lot like independence coming to get for your seats. Yeah, I, I think I think after... You know, we were chasing our third term and normally, you know, second term Nats or coalition governments in, in, in Sydney or New South Wales get thrown out. So in one way, we had to be a little bit Trump-like where you're anti the establishment. And, and the Nats do this really well. You know, we, mm. we can stand there and, and jump up and down because when we when we like it, we love being part of the coalition. When we hate it, we blame them. So yeah. Yeah. we did a bit of that. But our threat, yeah, the shooters, uh, they, they were a real threat. Some of the independents um, and you know, the drought didn't help either. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you've got a community running out of water, you've got the yeah. uh, fish kills and all that, anxiety and all of that sort of stuff. You blame the establishment and we were there, so... A lot of our MPs get over the line. I'm probably no different in the Monero. Monero, Queenman, for instance, is a Labor town. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, um, I push my brand over the, the Nats brand. But people like me because, I'm, as I said, a former tradie at Chippy. A lot of, a lot of people think I should have been a Labor MP, yeah. mm-hmm. not a Nat. Yeah, yeah. So do you think a lot of the, um, the result at the last election for the Nats in New South Wales, was that more of a backlash against the brand of the Nats or more or less a backlash against the policies which had ended up in these communities out of water, out of services. Well, add two more, greyhounds in local councils. Yeah, yeah. greyhounds, that was what I was going to ask you. What was your thoughts off the bat with that policy? Because that was that was Mike's... Uh, it was a yeah, That was his GST kind of Henson moment. Ah, uh, look, look, I recall a conversation with then the leader of the Nats, Troy. We were in WA for something. I can't remember what it was. And we are over, over, over a few... Tins, we, we, he said to me, that I've got a report that talks about the greyhound industry, a bit of pro- few problems, either shut it down or fix it. And we left it at that, uh, we're going to fix it. And then, you know, get the cabinet and um, we, we shut it down. Now, I, was, I was in that cabinet, I, I had what I had to say, but I came out of cabinet uh, solid and just backed in the policy. But, geez, we got it wrong. We absolutely got it wrong. Mike said we got it wrong. We lost Orange. Because we lost Orange, we lost Troy as leader. I, that, I became leader off the back of that. Mate, if we, we absolutely got that completely wrong. When you, when you take on the battler, and that's what it was, you know, people can say, oh, there's only 2,000 jobs or whatever. Mate, you took on the battler, everyone backed in the battler, and that, that's a reminder that politicians 
I've got to stop, you know, pretending that we know everything we don't. And uh, we got it wrong. We, 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 we F that up like you don't believe. But same as mergers, local council mergers. Yeah. We went and sacked councils. And when I say we went and sacked councils to merge them, you're talking about yeah. the local butcher or the local footy coach. Walker got to stay. Walker yeah. was all right. Oh, you can thank Barney for <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. We, we, we'll, we'll talk about this fit for the future process, but I'll tell you what, yeah. there was not, the, the process was thrown out the window and a whole heap of decisions were made and uh, Barnaby blew it up and good luck to Barnaby, but Walker remained and uh, good for Walker. Yeah. Isn't it? Same thing happened yeah. when they did it in Queensland and... Um, they started kind of amalgamating, and then they get to about Longridge, and they go, "Nah, no, nah, no, nah, this this is getting too vast now." So Birdsville got to keep their twelve blokes and one and, and one yeah. uh, road gang, and uh, Birdsville Council people, remains. Yeah, yeah, people hate their council. Honestly, yeah. I, as a local MP, state MP, I get all these letters all the time. You know, sack the council, hate the council, mm. and wow, the council this, the foot party, and all that. But then, when we went to sack the councils and do the mergers, mm. they turned on us. And it just reminds you, I think it's like this, you know, you know, you might want to kick your dog. Mm. You're entitled to kick your dog, but if someone else kicks your dog, you're going to kick them. Yeah. So it's the same thing here. Uh, we, we got it wrong. We, we made a mess of it and uh, we just misjudged, especially in the bush. Yeah. You know, your councillor, the mayor of a town is known, they can knock on the door. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have yep. any Race. idea who yeah. the state MP, the, yeah. the federal MP, or who the premier or the prime minister in most cases, yeah. they talk to their, their mayor. Guess what? I mean, we sacked their mayor. Yeah. That's crap. But yeah. they would know who would be in charge of ICAC, you know, because, you know, every small town mayor has had a door knock from ICAC. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, and not they go invariably, there. <laughs> you know, and I'm, they invariably find nothing. But. I, I, I often I often say, you know, I, I don't want to really talk about ICAC. Thank God my daughter's doing law. I may need it one day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that, eh? Yeah. I might be, okay. yeah the, the only difference is, you know, everyone just looks at me, you know, here there's Calabrese, Italian, darky, probably looks shonky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the truth is when you look shonky, you're probably the most honest and yeah. the, the guy that looks the honest is probably the one that's doing the deal behind your back yeah, so yeah. Uh, see that in the libs a lot a lot of the uh, kind of the uh, haircuts well, and the libs tend up tend to get in the most trouble oh mate those libs are they, they go to the same barber they go to the same suit shop uh, and they always buy a suit I reckon two sizes too small mm-hmm. and they all look the same but uh, <laughs> we, we've been a little bit lucky we haven't had uh, any nat had to head, head down head down the ICAC mm-hmm. uh, a few libs and now the, the Labor Party are enjoying their time down there but uh, the Nats should be safe um, so long as they don't introduce a federal ICAC. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, let's not go there, eh? Let's no. not go there. Okay. I'm interested to know what the mood was in the National Party room uh, when the lockout laws were coming through. I mean, <sighs> it is, it's a law that doesn't really affect anyone who votes for the Nationals. It, it only really affected a group of people who would only really exist within a five-mile Radius of the Harbour Bridge, yeah. you know. Uh, yes and no. The Orange Hotel's still open till four. No, I, I, well, the lockout laws for Sydney, and let's talk about Kings Cross first, right? Yeah. If you think about it, most of us on your eighteenth birthday from the bush come mm-hmm. to Sydney, guess where we all end up? At those strip joints at Kings Cross, yeah. right? So it was almost this rite of passage was the cross. Well, the cross yeah. doesn't look like the place we no. grew up with. So the lockout laws in Sydney. I, I, they, they went too far. There's no doubt, and I've been vocal about that. We got it wrong. The impact in the bush was around takeaways. You know, you couldn't take yep. you couldn't you takeaways up to ten o'clock or nine up o'clock. 10, I can't yeah. remember your lockouts at twelve. But the truth is, in the bush, we've we've always had um, local liquor records with the local publican with the local cops. Yep. 
have come to an agreement in the past and said, you know what, we're going to shut down at 12, we'll lock people out. Mm. We, we've probably had that in, 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 in the system for 20 years. They do yeah. it every New Year's Eve, you know. They, yeah. Anzac yeah. Day? Mate, yeah. my, my Walsh's pub in Queenbury, mate, come Anzac Day, comes, you know, 6.30, mate, they're pushing us out the door because most of us have been there from dawn, yeah. right, and they're pushing us out the door. So, yeah, most publicans are responsible. They know how to do this. Mm. Look, there was an incident in, in Sydney and, you know, it was, it, was, it was a terrible incident, but it's typical of government, we overreact. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like when someone says, oh, we want regulation. My advice to anybody, any industry, don't ask for regulation from mm-hmm. government because we will overreact and we'll kill things off. Yeah. That's what happened with greyhounds. Yeah. That's what's happened with uh, even the taxi industry. What You know, we they want, we've regulated the shit out of the taxi industry and they weren't able to compete with Uber yep. when that hit the, hit, hit the market. So, uh, um, but look, it has an impact. There's a decision to be made shortly. I reckon we'll release and relax some of the lockout laws, yep. both city, bush, and I think that's a good thing. Do you, do you find that there's red tape for some and not for others? Like just, I mean, for example, there's uh, been a few uh, investigative programs on the ABC regarding buildings that might have been built a bit too quickly. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I've come out of, I've come out of the building industry, and it's probably some of my relatives. So I'm just going to be very careful what I say here. Uh, but there are buildings in this in this city. Sorry, there are buildings in this country that have used a whole heap of imported materials, yeah. where it's been there's been shonky certification, mm. and now after the fact you find out uh, it, it's not fit for purpose, like the cladding. You know? So we're going to these things could catch on fire. We, we've, we've moved away from heavy construction to lightweight construction. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing in one way; it keeps costs down. But I'm not sure if, if a lot of the tradies out there actually understand the materials yeah. and therefore you might end up with some adverse outcomes. But we've got some problems. But in the scheme of things, yeah, you've got Mascot Towers, you've got uh, uh, the Opal. The reality is, in the scheme of things, that's still a very small number of buildings that have got problems compared to what's been built in this city for the last, what, 10 years? Yeah. yeah. But do you, you find that, the, you know, say a pub owner in, you know, the back of Botany would get more eyeballs on them on a Saturday oh. night than a construction site would get in the space of six months? Oh, oh sorry. That was the point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More red tape for some than others, depending on industry. The small guy always cops it, cops yeah. it in the arse, and everybody else uh, gets away with it because the big end of town, uh, they, they pay certifiers and legals to, to act on their behalf, fight for them. No, no, you, that's actually a very valid point. Uh, that red tape is a real issue, but it, it's easy for bureaucrats to pick on the small guy, and, and they, I reckon it happens. You're right. That's a good, good point. Would you view Malcolm Turnbull as a bureaucrat? <laughs> I you, think I, I've said a lot about, about him. Haven't, haven't I said a lot about Malcolm Turnbull in the past, mate? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas gift was yeah. one particular one. Turnbull was a Christmas gift to Australia. But you guys butted heads. I guess there's no bad blood anymore because he's long gone. But. Yeah, well, I won, he lost, but... Um, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> he, he's a farmer himself. He's got, you know, 10, 20,000 acres up the Hunter. He has a couple of cows up there. You know, he's he's a farmer himself and he is also doing it tough, you know. So I think that's some of the policy that you would be coming up with as the leader of the New South Wales Nats would uh, be impacting on him oh, as mate, well. Yeah, I, I worry about those guys that have bought farms for a tax write-off. They're the <laughs> ones that... Yeah. You know, I'm at the moment not sleeping at nightfall. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, Joe Blow, the, the small farmer around the corner who's doing it tough. You know, we'll, we'll get to him eventually. But yeah. geez, it's it's the big in the town that have bought farms, probably for for a carbon offset or something. You know, radical like that. Mm. Look after some threatened species. But uh, let, let's say I, I've said my piece about yeah. Malcolm in the past. I was just about nine months too early. Got there eventually. It was an Easter. It was an Easter gift to me, yeah. not, not not a Christmas one. <laughs> you kind of split a room a bit with the libs too. There's a, you know, from both sides of the factions within the libs, within the federal libs. Is this something that people can expect to see more from you? And it might not be a bad thing, just 
button heads where, wherever you see fit. Yeah, I, I think I think the difference now is, you know, not many would know this, but we butt headers a lot, but mm. we do it behind closed doors. And, yeah. you know, I like Gladys, so I, I, we've been doing it behind closed doors and we keep it quiet and we get our wins. But what has happened, I don't think we get recognised for those wins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I've decided this time around, no, let's have those fights publicly. Mm-hmm. But we're going to disagree on, on a number of things. I, I, we have a very different view. We're agrarian socialists, mate, and... Uh, they're free marketeers. They see. They think the market will fix everything. Well, we've seen how the market has screwed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Have a look at the water trading that's mm-hmm. hurting us at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but yeah, you'll, you'll see more of it. And you know, I drew a line in the sand at Inverell at our conference when I said enough's enough, and mm-hmm. I'm going to speak out. And there's certain things we're not going to cop anymore. And that, I reckon that's a fair, a fair go because our base, our our voters, our communities need to know. Hang on, those those blokes at Macquarie Street that. Uh, pretend to be country folk or uh, you know where they're polished RMs mm. actually do get what we do, get us and they are fighting for us and I'm always happy to go get a blood nose I may not win every fight mm-hmm. but I'm happy to get a blood nose over it well just touching on the issue of, of trading water you know as mm. the old adage goes the more money you have the more problems you have if we do build all these dams and we do get all of this water, do you think that the issues around water security and water trading will become worse? Like if, if there's more of this commodity, it becomes less valuable. Yep. And, and if we have a lot of it, do you, do you think there would be less regulation about where it goes and who it goes to? No, so, so I, I, mate, the way water's going and, and we're in the middle of a drought, this might become a bit more of a norm. Like get rid of your gold shares, your silver shares, mate. Water will be the commodity you want to hang on to. Mm. Gorbachev said that on his final uh, final speech. Well, there you go. <laughs> and, and it's true. And I think as a, as, as a country that is a dry continent, let's be honest, I think we're on record with the second driest continent in the, in the world, always have been and always will be. After Antarctica. Mm. And, and therefore, therefore... No, we actually. I think it's a set area that we actually have to regulate a bit better. Yeah. We cannot allow what's happening in superannuation funds, uh, who are trading water like a commodity yeah. on the mm-hmm. stock market. You know, water was designed. The irrigators are meant to do it to grow our food and fibre. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where again government gets it wrong. Yeah. Yes, it's a property right for some. Every time you, governments get involved, this is the problem. Every time governments get involved, and there's money involved. Everybody, those those industry groups or those those stakeholders will devise ways how to get more of that money. Remember pink bats? Yeah. You, know, you put a, a shitload of tax dollars on the table. <laughs> the bikies. Everybody, everybody became a, a, an insulation expert. Mm-hmm. The bikies took the Commonwealth for a ride there. Well, that's they? what I mean. Well, yeah. that, that's the point. So, and, and then there was the vet fee help. I don't yeah. know if you know that. That was the, the TAFE stuff where yeah. we said, here's a whole shitload of money. And if you want to train our kids, we're going to pay like, we're going to pay you all that money up front mm-hmm. and. Go for it. And we lost billions of dollars. Yeah. We've had all these dodgy providers, a lot of them from overseas, who are now driving Mercs and made hundreds of – actually made millions of dollars yeah. with no no outcome. So governments always F this stuff up because mm-hmm. we think we're the experts. The bureaucrats pretend they know what they're doing. But the truth is they've never lived a real day in the, in the life. And any expert, any entrepreneur, any businessman – and remember, I'm, I'm, I'm a former businessman and I'm, I'm a wog – I know how to work my way through to get yep. get my hands on that cash. And that's what happens all the time. So water, in my mind, that's exactly what's happened. We will have to regulate it. Yeah, we need to, we need to use water in a different way. We're going to become more efficient, store more, collect more. But, geez, we, we've got to take control of it. Do you think it would be more effective to govern this on a state level or a national level? Well, we tried the national, at yeah. a national level with the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, mm-hmm. built on false foundations. 
uh, it clearly shows it's it's a crock of shit because you know we've got no water in Tynham. It's those in the southern base and are watching that water go past their front gates. It ends up in South Australia, yep. and those wankers down there are on their yachts and having their regattas. So it's a failure in the system. So as a state, I've just said this, man. I'm now yep. waving the flag for Team New South Wales. Yeah. And if we've got to walk away from the plan, we will. If not, work with us. We're more than happy to contribute, but we've been paying more for water than anyone else and giving more to the environment. Uh, South Australia's not missing out. Victoria's only partly hurt. Well, Queensland, well, I'm not even going to talk about them. <laughs> a fair bit of the water ends up in the K Islands as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the value anyway of, of the water. So that's yeah. the truth. Well, just <clears throat> on that, there's a small community down there on the convergence of the Murray and the Darling called Wentworth, and they, yep. have, and, and they haven't seen a flow come down the Darling now for almost a decade. In saying that, you know, if that water does go in to the Murray and it goes on 100-odd k's and then it's down into South Australia, if the water never flows into the Murray again out of the Darling and it's all put to good use, is that a good thing? Well, firstly, you can't, oh, well, Wentworth, great little place, know the mayor there. She's a great mayor. And that's why we dubbed her Winks, mm. the great mayor, Winks. And, uh, <laughs> and she loves the name, so yeah. she, she enjoys it. And, I, and I've been down to Wentworth a few times, and uh, they're doing it tough, you're right. Uh, they're absolutely, absolutely doing it tough. But yeah. um, the truth is, we, we've, if you look at what we've done, we know that for a while with water in this state, we, we never let the water run down. Yeah. Uh, and the environmental flows weren't there. So probably irrigators, we, we took more than we should have. Mm. So there was a, an adjustment needed. And we've done that adjustment. But when you add the extra, the 450 gigs that they want from us, that's going over and above. And it's probably another 1,000 gigs that are going now into South Australia that was never really part of the plan. And we're not getting credit for that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the outcome is good when you it's environmental flows. And this idea that, that water, somehow we've separated. It's the same bucket of water, isn't it? Yeah. Some, it's environmental community and for irrigators. So what we've got to make sure is you get the outcomes. But what's happened now is we've given so much, we've got nothing left to give and they want more. And that's, that's bullshit. We just, mm-hmm. just, we just don't have it. Yes, the outcomes. I think the the environment is the winner at the moment, but we're flooding forests. Yeah, we're, we're still flooding some of the banks because we haven't got the system right. But yet we've got irrigators who miss out completely. They're, they're watching that water go past their front gate. Man, how how heartbreaking is that? Where you're told as as uh, as a, an irrigator, you can't touch the water, but you're seeing the water come down, and and then it floods further down river, yeah. and then it goes to South Australia. So this this is a flaw in the system. But we, I reckon, we've done our fair share mm-hmm. in, in this. So. What would you say? Have you you've been out to Burke recently? You stand out there where the where the steam paddle boats used to pull up. They haven't been there in a while, mate. They haven't been at that level in a while. What what, what do you think that comes down to? Ah, uh, look, yeah. You know, so so you you can start blaming irrigators, and that's what everybody wants to blame an irrigator upstream. And look, yeah. there are probably some issues. I'm not going to deny it. And Anra is looking at all of that, and we're looking at a couple of irrigators and dealing with that. But when you when the when the river system in New South Wales has only received one and a half percent of inflows for two years in a row. You can blame everyone else, but you've yeah. got to blame Mother Nature at some point, and that's the problem. Yeah, that look, that steamboat uh, or the old the old paddle boat there, it, it was about a metre deep in the, in, in the soil of that riverbank, and uh, I reckon when that water comes, that's not coming out. I reckon they're going to have to crane the bastard out, yeah, otherwise yeah. It, they're just going to flood. It's going to become the Titanic. Mm. They might get a great tourist attraction out of it, <laughs> people yeah. start diving, but, mate, it, it, it's a tragedy. But when those floods in uh, North Queensland came about, that water flowed through the river system. They got a little bit down there, mm-hmm. was able to shift it a little bit. But uh, I don't know. Is this the norm? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the new norm? Yeah, well, I think in terms of 
when you're having a look at what's happened and what's happening now, you know, the, the, we're entering a period now where this hasn't happened before. Mm-hmm. Really Are you saying now, climate change, mate? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Climate change. Yeah. You've said that before. Absolutely. Climate change. We live it every day. Yep. You know, those that live in the bush live this each and every day. The question mark will be how much impact by man, mm-hmm. but climate change is real. We'll get more extreme, longer, dry periods. Yeah. But when it rains, it'll be bloody intense and we'll get the flood. So we've got to store it. But yeah, I think the way we manage water, the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, uh, what we do with the environmental water, what we do with uh, water for irrigators. I don't know who decided in a dry continent like, like Australia that rice or cotton was yeah. what we should be growing. And that's that's a question mark. That is a question mark. There is a question mark there. <laughs> you know? yeah. How do you go speaking to yeah. your, uh, your Constituency? Uh, Italian countrymen yeah. out well, there? Like, down there well, in the oh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's just grow grapes, mate. Come yeah, on, when yeah. I'm in the Riverina, well, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I'm, I'm down in the Riverina. John Delbroy is the mayor of... Uh, of Griffith, yeah. good, good Italian man, and he invited Melinda Pavey, who's the water minister, and mm-hmm. myself out to his farm. He said, I've got a few guys together at the shed. Uh, we're going to have just a little chat about water because Melinda was just appointed a new minister. I thought, great, let's get out there. I, I, I've known John for a while. He promised me homemade salami, so, mm-hmm. mate, I was mm-hmm. I was out there, mate. Yep. You don't get to my sort of fitness without <laughs> eating homemade salami <laughs> but uh, and, and homemade wine. Got there, was about 150 people at this shed. So this was – I said, Melinda, there's two outcomes here for us. We're going to get buried yeah. out in the vineyard. Yeah. If you say anything wrong, we survive and get to eat salami mm-hmm. or we become the salami yeah. and the sausages. <laughs> and um, so Pavey, Melinda Pavey gets up and says to this crowd, yes, we know water's tight in this and that. She goes, but, you know, everyone blames the cotton farmers mm. and the rice farmers, but, you know, grapes take a lot of water. And I looked at her and I said, we're in a room with 150 Italian Great growers, and you're blaming them now for using too much. Man, I'm pulling on the bloody jacket. Get young, get. The thing is, she said it twice. So I thought we were going to end up like Donald Mackay, buried in a, in, a, in a paddock somewhere, but we got away with it. But uh, look, let's be honest. Do we have to question what we're growing and where we're growing? Mm-hmm. I think we do, don't yeah. we? Mm. And we've got to be serious. And this is not having a dig at who we are and what we are, but... Oh, seriously, I just don't understand. And the other thing with what we're doing, have a look at all the permanent plantations now we're building. So forget the, um, you know, the cotton farmers or the uh, the rice growers. The reality is that we've, we've got almond trees going in. We've got a whole heap of nuts going in across the, the, the river system. They're permanent plantings. They're, yeah. they're going to need high security or guaranteed water. How, how have we made these decisions? Because we're talking about we can't even meet the needs today. How are we going to meet the needs of permanent planning going forward? In my mind, I think these businesses have taken so much risk, they're all going to fail. There's just no way. Your comments you're making right now would make you rather unpopular at Yamba around Christmas time, I reckon. The cotton farmers particularly, and, and now this new um, wave of kind of different kind of grain and legumes, they don't like being told that they, they should be kind of in any way accountable. And I've, I've always avoided blaming irrigators, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always avoided And, you know, last week uh, the dickhead mayor from um, – Dubbo, because Dubbo is just about to go into stage three or stage four water yeah. restriction. They're going to run out of water by March. We've given them 30 million bucks. He came out and said, stop the water to the irrigators. Well, the irrigators haven't had water for, for so long because of the the, the dry yeah. spell. So he got it wrong. So I don't. I actually defend our irrigators. Mm-hmm. My, my fear is part of the Murray-Darling Basin plan is we're buying back all these licences. And everyone goes, well, that's great. You're buying back these licences. These guys want to give up their licence. But what you're actually doing, you're destroying an industry mm-hmm. in certain parts of the state which means those jobs are gone. And when those jobs are gone, families move out, which means the local school closes. The doctor leaves the local bloody hospital. So there's a bigger picture here. So I don't blame irrigators. But I think as as an educated society, 
we probably have to revisit what we grow and where. There's no problem with that, you know, and, and maybe help farmers transition from one crop to another. Yeah, are the Nats are the Nats in the business of of helping farmers and producers in upskilling or, or or changing the way they were because you know we've seen say the wool crash for example yeah. you know a lot of people then had to teach themselves how to how to, how to push cattle and, mm. and 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 change what they were doing yeah so we, we have a number of programs to reskill upskill change skills for for mature age employees etc but we're also helping the skills in certain industries so the cotton industry for instance you know we still believe cotton and and grain has a strong industry uh, there will always be an industry in australia and I was a schools minister a number of years ago, and we, we partnered with them. I think it's about a $12 million partnership about looking at better ways to manage uh, your, your crops, especially cotton. So, you know, with drone technology, everything else. So we put this funding package together to upskill those those yeah. those workers in that sector so they can use technology different. Those skills and skill sets, they can take anywhere else if, let's say, the cotton industry was to stop tomorrow. So, yeah, we're doing a lot of that, and it's something we have to continue to do because we want, we want bloody good jobs in the bush. Yeah. We don't want you know this idea of oh, get crappy little jobs in the bush. No, we want high-value, good No more rabbit-proof fences or yeah, NBN yeah. contractors. You want actual long-term. Long-term, real jobs, yeah. mate. And that's why you get great cities like, you know, I call them cities, right? Like Orange is a city, yeah. a regional city, mate. When you've got a whiskey bar there called Washington & Co., mate, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a city. It's moving that, pretty fast, actually. If someone had told you that 10 years ago no. that Orange was going to be a little weekender no. <laughs> great accommodation you know yeah. honestly I don't know if you've been to Washington a little whiskey bar in mm. Orange mate that, you can stick that in Surrey Hills you can stick that in New York yeah. honestly it's a trendy little bloody bar mm. and you know the guy on a guitar in the corner some of the best whiskey in the world 25, 30 bucks a, a whiskey yeah. and yet it, it survives in a place like Orange yeah 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 mate it just shows you yeah, these are cosmopolitan cities in the bush and we've got we've got to start talking it up. This you know this term I hate. Really, it's a wanker term. Bush change. Bullshit. Yeah. It's a city change. Yeah. Yeah. You want to leave Sydney? Go to another city yeah, called Orange yeah. mm-hmm. or yeah. Dubbo or Tamworth or yeah. Wagga Wagga. Yeah, yeah. Don't call it a bush change because it's not. It's a city change. And we we were actually at the um, Grands Conference this year, Summer Grands Conference up in Goldie Gold, Gold Coast. And every one of those oh, blokes yeah, a was... conference in the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The conference convenient. in the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, they have I've got to be all careful. There. The last conference I went on the Gold Coast, I got in a bit of a, a bit of a biff with uh, my good friend, federal colleague uh, up there from the Nats. Uh, we resolved all that, so that's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny how these um, agribusiness kind of conferences all tend to be yeah. within walking distance of yeah. Jup- yeah. Jupiter's. And yeah. strip club, actually. Yeah. Just say it. Be upfront about it. Now, I'm not going to ask you what you guys got up to, but anyway, you went to the Grand Conference. No, but they... Yeah. All these blokes are walking out every every kind of presentation and every kind of seminar, and they're all checking their tablets really and checking. They got the drones. They're looking. Yeah. At, they're farming while they're on the job. Yeah, they're absolutely. farming while they're in the strip club. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say something, make it rain, but I'm not going to say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you're right. And technology is going to change the way we we produce food and fibre. Uh, the feds have funded a program. I think it's about ten million bucks. There's a company out of Tamworth. They're building these these big trailers. Uh, they're technically mobile little farms, but uh, connected to technology. And they'll be in the schools. I think they're doing uh, 70 schools or something at the moment. That's what they're funded for. And what these kids will be able to do off their app is control the water, the fertiliser, all the um, proteins, whatever you need to put into the... And they'll be able to manage it all and see what grows, what doesn't grow. So, mate, the more we do that in the school system, teach these kids about the technology behind agriculture, we're not going to be this bloody redneck industry. You know, everyone... If you talk about the bush, everyone thinks bloody, you know, tumbleweeds and and, and windmills. Mm -hmm. The the agriculture sector are the best innovators. You know Mm -hmm. why? They've had to. Mm -hmm. And Australian bloody uh, farmers... And the best in the world, why? We don't have tariffs for protection. We don't have subsidies to support them. So they are raw, honest, efficient, 
innovators in their industry, and that's why they can compete globally. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got to encourage more of that, more of that. Just one more question before we let you go, John. It's uh, a question about carbon. Mm. It's been common knowledge for a long time that the price of energy out in the bush is very expensive. And uh, moving forward, there is a push to move away from coal. Out in the bush, there's a whole smorgasbord of energy options which are more renewable. What do you think is the best ticket moving forward? Nuclear energy. Nuclear energy. I, I, I'm telling you, guys, if you want to decarbonise the, the environment and you want baseload power, look, I'm a supporter of renewables. You can have wind, you can have bloody solar, you can have hydro, but we're not going to have baseload, right? Mm-hmm. And coal, we're going to get to the end of it. There's still 50 years of coal, but we'll get to the end of it. Nuclear energy, uranium. Uh, we, we've got 44% of the, the globe's uranium stockpile here in Australia. So we've got the largest stockpile in the, in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We already export the second largest exporter of uranium. We bring back waste. We've got a nuclear reactor up, here, up the road here at Lucas Heights for nuclear medicine, but we don't use it for energy. So to me, that's dumb. Actually, funny enough, tomorrow I'm actually speaking at a nuclear conference here in Sydney. I spoke in Atlanta, Georgia, a couple of years ago. Small modular reactors. They're not like Chernobyl. Like I was just about to ask that, and I had to ask that. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. didn't tune into that HBO series yeah, that came out a bit yeah. earlier? But, but Chernobyl, that series is the reason why we should get into it. We've got, we got, we got stable geology, stable government. We've got the rich resource. We can have a waste facility here that will be worth uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in, in collecting waste. And we can build small modular reactors. Uh, New Scale is a company out of the US who's, who's in, in town at the moment mm-hmm. who I've met up with in the past who really would love to build an industry here and, and we can do it all and, we, and it's affordable you decarbonise you can shut off coal tomorrow and I'm their resource yeah. minister so when I say shut down coal I'll only say it if you replace it with something that gives you base load small modular reactors and you know the waste like people don't know this the waste in France you know where they bury it where? Champagne region. Yeah. It's probably why you get the extra bubble in your champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they, they <laughs> that's what sends you mad after <laughs> a couple. <laughs> but, but they're confident. They're, they're confident with it. And as a nation, we've got to stop. Yeah. You guys are young enough, mate. You look at the technology. Look at your mobile phone. Mm. That's changed mm. from twenty, thirty years ago. You know, Chernobyl is Chernobyl's what seventy year old bloody technology. Yeah. Fukushima is still thirty year old technology. Yeah. Three Mile Island, the same story. What about Small what about the two thousand reactors? What about the two thousand sixteen census? What kind of technology were they using there? Oh God knows. But so technology <laughs> can let you down. So what you're trying to tell me? Technology can let <laughs> yeah. you down. But small modular reactors. Uh, they're built in a factory, delivered to site. They don't have to be any near water supply. They can be yeah. air cooled, sand cooled. Stick it on the grid, fifty megawatts at a time. You can link twelve of them together up to six hundred mm-hmm. megawatts. Get online, have a look yeah. at it, and you'll actually be surprised. What the technology looks like, mm-hmm. and as Australia, if you get the energy mix right, and we bring downward prices, get baseload, we'll become a manufacturing nation. No, I'm not talking about building bloody toasters and uh, washing yeah. machines. We'll leave that to our friends uh, uh, across our the borders, neighbors. our yeah. close yeah. neighbours. But it's advanced manufacturing, and that's what we should be focused on. Wages aren't the issue anymore because our mm-hmm. wages compared to the globe in this space are almost the same. It's just energy that's bloody killing us at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, politicians for far too long have let ideology get in the way of common sense. And, you know, I speak about this every – I go to a place like Ballina and you talk nuclear energy and they want to, they want to bloody – uh, they'll come out with the pitchforks. Mm. Yeah. But, they come out with the vaccinations. They do. But, but when I leave a room and they start to hear it, most would say, 80, 90% would say, I'm actually going to have a look yeah, at this. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah you, mm-hmm. uh, think, it, think it through and, and yeah. look it up. Just, just one last question, yeah. yes, no. Uh, high-speed rail. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't have bothered about the NBN, mate. We yeah. should have stuck that $70 billion in high-speed rail. <laughs> high-speed <laughs> rail to Orange? Mate, well, you know, funny enough, we... Canberra to Brisbane? I reckon you've got you want to do the connections you do Canberra to Sydney Sydney to Newcastle then you take it up to mm-hmm. you take it to Brisbane and then you connect down to 
Melbourne. Yeah. If you did that, you know, you, you, we've all travelled, but you, you get into China or Japan, you go to Europe, you get on, on very fast rail and you realise all of a sudden it's fine. If you want to, the one policy that will fix regional New South, when I say fix, in relation to growth, because we've got, you don't, you don't get lot, lots of growth. Over the next 10, 15 years, you'll see another million people here in Sydney and we'll probably see about a couple of hundred thousand in the, in the, in the bush. Yeah. You want to decentralise, make it easier to get in and out of Sydney and, you know, if you can, you can live... Uh, in Orange, but being town here in fifty minutes, mate, who's going to live in Sydney? What would you? Mm-hmm. What, what would you live in this shit all? Yeah, <laughs> have the country lifestyle, city benefits, live in the bush. Beauty. Thanks for joining us, Barrett. Thank you, Sean. No worries, guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm.